everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Here this we are again. This is Macaw Podcast Universe, Universe, and I'm going to explain what it is this okay. time. Oh, thank this goodness. is a podcast about franchises where Micah and I take on one franchise at a time and analyze the franchise, see what works, what which movies work in the franchise, which movies don't work in the franchise, and the importance of franchises, and maybe yes. the not importance of certain types of franchises. And I would say... That one, I was thinking about this a little bit earlier today. I was thinking, I think one of our, one of our kind of thesis, if, if this podcast does any good in the world, if it, if it does any good, I would hope that it helps people to maybe look at movies with a little bit more of a, um, a less like, like letting, letting things slide in movies a little bit, if that mm. makes sense. Not, not well, necessarily. giving them benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and not getting caught up on small things that actually don't matter and trusting films a little bit. And then I think the other thing would be um, that franchises are not an inherently bad thing. And they can be fun. And fun movies and campy movies don't mean they're bad movies. And here's the thing about our current political climate. Uh-oh. <laughs> everyone, I just, I'm kidding about that. But oh. <laughs> in our day and age, everyone thinks they're a critic because of the internet. And Micah and I are no exception to that. Yeah, we think we are. But we're not. We don't get paid to do this. Yeah, we do. We have oh. Patreon. I guess so. We do, technically. We're so we are experts. actually critics. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Everyone thinks yeah. they're a critic because because of the internet and accessibility. And our something I just urge people is to just let the movie take you. Let the when movie, it's asking for you, when it's asking to whisk you away, go with them. Yeah, and that doesn't mean you have to like everything, of course. But suspension of disbelief, just let just that happen. There's, there's, a, there's definitely types of people that might, that might take like, a, um, oh, oh, like a movie, like a John Carpenter movie. Uh, like They Live or something, where it's very, very cheesy, but there's no sense in wanting the movie to not be cheesy because it is intentionally cheesy mm -hmm. so that's not a bad thing uh -huh. i don't know why i'm bringing this up on harry potter because i don't find this movie that we're going to discuss cheesy at all but um i i guess like i guess maybe i'm just thinking like i watched deathly hallows last night we double featured both of them and i thought to myself when we finished the first movie i was like this is an easy nine out of ten this is so good I mean, this is like the culmination of the series, but I think there would be a school of thought that'd be like, Micah, you must not be a real like movie guy if you think Harry Potter's that good because it's not like artistic. You know what I mean? It doesn't have like that air to it. And but I, it I is. would argue, it's yeah, very artistic. I would argue that be, people think that because people look at Harry Potter as kids movies whether the person has seen the deathly hallows or not even if uh -huh. people have sure. i think once they're removed from the movie for a while they just lump it all in with like kids movies mm -hmm. and it's like it is so not yeah well and even the ones that are that's not bad nope because chamber of secrets is in my top three yeah that one's still like kind of that's the best of like the first four movies i think it's so good yeah um so I don't know. I don't know why we went on that rant, but I just, I just, uh, I, I think I, I, well, we're at the end of the series basically. And, um, I just, I really love this series. And I think when I was younger and the, the series, so I, I didn't see it when it came out. I was a kid and I didn't see them. But then when I did finally watch them, I liked them. But in my head, I was like, 
maybe I'm just combating myself. I was like, well, this is like a series. It's like a Hollywood thing. This is special effects driven. It's not like it can be good, but it can't be great. And then watching it this time, I'm like, oh, no, this is great. And I think when everyone starts to get into movies... Um, you have it, to it, go through that phase. You, you go through the phase of like, okay, I only want to watch movies like The Godfather. I yeah. only want to watch <laughs> dramas and stuff like that. And it's like, because those, have, those are like the best movies of all time kind yeah, of movies. Yeah. But dramas are not like just because dramas often win the oscars does not mean that they're the best that's the best genre there's not even a best genre it's all subjective so it's you you do have to go through that and then get to a point where you're like yeah the godfather i don't know why i'm using that as an example but no i think that's like, a great the godfather example. is a perfect movie but my favorite movie is harry potter yeah. You know? And and I think yeah, I think once you get through that phase, then you start coming out with takes like like the year that Game Game Night came out. Mm-hmm. Remember I was like that should win best original screenplay. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought that year. I still stand by that. Yeah. I was like that was like my third favorite movie of the year and that's a 9 out of 10 for me. Yeah. It's like almost a perfect movie. Yeah. It's so good and it's so funny and I've watched it like 3 or 4 times and it's always just as funny. Yeah. And it's like that's not like a prestige movie yeah but i think i think critically i think critics are getting a lot better at not um just writing off movies because they are like connected to a franchise you know anyway so all that to say right now we're getting into harry potter and the deathly hallows hyphen part one is that a hyphen is that what that's called the little dash yeah okay so this is directed by David Yates. That's a familiar name. He started at Fe- Order of the Phoenix. We have screenplay by Steve Clovis. We have David Heyman producing and David Barron producing, and J.K. Rowling gets a producing credit in this movie and the next movie. Uh, cinematography is by Eduardo Serra, and he also did Defiance and Blood Diamond and Girl with the Pearl Earring and What Dreams May Come. I haven't seen any of those movies. And you might think, like, how come, uh, what's his name, Uh, Bruno Del Bonnell didn't come back, right? The guy from the last movie who's worked with, like, that movie got nominated for Best Cinematography. He was, like, kind of afraid of repeating himself and didn't want to get stuck in something. So he he decided not to do it, which is always kind of commendable, Mm -hmm. I find, when people have, like, guaranteed jobs and they're like, no, someone else needs to do it to make sure that this doesn't get stale. I always love that when people have that integrity. We have music by the great, the wonderful, I think you pronounce his name, Alexandre Duplat. He is a French man. Is that how you've heard it? Yeah, he's French. He's French, and this man is incapable of making bad music. Every score that he does is phenomenal. And sometimes... I go on Spotify and I click movies I haven't even seen just to listen to his score. There's a movie called The Light Between Oceans with Michael Fassbender and uh, uh, Alicia Vikander. And I thought the movie looked like um, a a visual form of a sleeping pill. I thought that I was going to fall asleep watching the trailer to that movie. And side note, love Michael Fassbender, but I wish he would just choose a movie that is not boring for once in his dang career anyway okay he he has a couple of them but most of his movies are so boring 
just can he please do something fun? Can he be on like an HBO like detective series or something? Can he do something that I actually like for once? I'm not counting he's not it that Inglorious old. There's Bastards time. There's because time. he's only in that movie for like two and a half minutes. No, he's in it for way longer. Oh than no, that. you're he's right. He's in it for a whole sequence. I got him confused with uh, some Michael else. Mike, Mike Myers. Mike Myers. Yeah. Mike Myers. No, no, yeah, he's in that for a lot. That one counts. Um, hor- horrible X Men movies. Side note. Okay, back to this. But Alizon Duplass. He has this score, and I listened to the score of that movie, The Light Between Oceans, and it's unbelievable. I'm probably never going to watch the movie, but I will listen to that score anytime because it rules. And if you listen to our uh, Oscar special, which is for patrons only, but if you sign up, you can listen to it now still. Uh, that was my pick for best score. And hopefully by the time this comes out, he will also have an Oscar that proves it in real life, not just a Micah Oscar. I just love him. And he's going to be... He has an Oscar. I know, but I hope he gets one for Little Women. Oh, okay. Because Little Women has now jumped to my second favorite score ever. I love it that much. What's number one? Interstellar. Oh, is still yeah. the most unbelievable score. But yeah. Little Women... Ugh. I just could listen to that wow, score I'm all surprised. day. All. It's too good. Well, I listened to it three times yeah, in one I know. day. I know. It's I, good. I'm not saying it's, it's not good. It's so good. And I just remember when we were watching Little Women, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm going to listen to this so much. And you don't always feel that, even when you like a score in a theater. <sighs> Love the guy. Set design. Once again, we have Stuart Craig. We got to give him props. He has created this amazing universe and... In all these movies, he just has mind-blowing sets. Yes. And this movie's no exception. Yes. And also, he just... there. There's a lot of on-set fi- or on-location filming in this movie, which is yep. pretty cool. Um, I don't know exactly how a set designer works in that regard. Well, do That'd you think he might be part of the scouting team? Probably, yeah. Uh, where did they shoot that... That's part on top of like the plateau with those weird. Oh, rock I was gonna look that up. I forgot to That's do okay. that. But um, maybe maybe I can figure that out before. Leave we're it done. in a comment on iTunes if you know. <laughs> yeah, subscribe, comment on iTunes, subscribe to Patreon, get your episodes early, and get exclusive episodes because we're gonna do another exclusive episode after this series is done. Um, produced by Warner Brothers and Heyday Pictures, distributed by Warner Brothers. The movie comes out November nineteenth. 2010 this movie jordan is 10 years old can you believe that uh domestically oh wait the uh it it costs so the budget is 250 million dollars but that's shared with deathly hollows because they uh deathly hollows too because they filmed them back to back um the movie makes 295 million nine hundred eighty three thousand three hundred five dollars domestically worldwide the movie makes $976,536,918. So, let's find out a couple of fun things about the movie. They had an on-set creature and Dobby character, like actors, running around doing them. Like stand-ins. Stand-ins, so that the... So motion capture? um, Or not? Not motion capture. Is it for the actors? It's for the actors. um, So they know what to look at? Know what to look at, and then they have something to actually interact with. Saw some footage of the actual, like, the table scene. What do the people look like? What are the uh, normal-sized people? Just uh, I, They're just, like, crouched-over people oh. <laughs> doing the, like, Andy Circus kind of yeah. thing. Um, and then here's the thing. Heyman, the, David Heyman, the producer of all these, was not... He was, like, initially resistant to the idea of doing two movies. He was like, I don't really want to do that, but the um, an executive producer, um, Lionel Wigram, 
suggested it, and then they checked with um, J.K. Rowling and kind of discussed it more. And they, you know, it's like, what could we cut to make it one movie? And they couldn't figure that out. Yeah. So they were like, okay, we got to do two. Um, and then, as far as I could tell, this is kind of. There are other movies that have been split into two movies, like for example, your Kill Bills. Yeah. Um, and and stuff. But as how long would that movie have been? Four hours. Oh yeah, I think it would. Like, have been didn't he want to do five. one? And then, as he was working on it, he was like, "I got to do two volumes." Well, didn't I, he if want? If to? I remember right, I think he wanted to release the five-hour like movie, and the studio was like, "You can't do that, Quentin. I know you're Quentin Tarantino, but you can't do that. Audiences yeah. aren't going to do that." And he's like, "Okay, fine." Yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure this is the beginning of the the trend that will happen, kind of in the yeah. I don't count Kill beginning Bill as part teens. Of that. Yeah, and I saw a couple other movies, like something from like the 20s. Well, but, no, but to me, this it's all they're all book related. Yes, and and this is like this is where the weird trend starts, and I think um, as we'll get into more on Deathly Hallows Part Two, I don't think it completely works. But I think it's a really interesting experiment. And if you kind of look at it through that lens a little bit, it's kind of fun to be like, this is kind of like the first series to try this. My opinion, it works. I think it, yeah. I'll, I'll my opinion, save that for my part opinion, two. Save it for part two. It okay? works. But, um, well, and, and that's the whole thing is like, I can't th- kind of like probably David Heyman thought, I'm like, I don't know how you would do it differently. I can't figure that part out of it. Um, okay. Pre-production began the 26th of January, 2009, and filming began ni- the, the 19th of February. Your birthday, 2009. Um, I was 14. Wow. Uh, 15. When do you get your permit? You get your permit when you're 15. No, I know, yeah. but like, are you a freshman? Uh, I think like, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Maybe, maybe like, I feel like I was 15 freshman or sophomore. I think you get your permit depends on like where your birthday lines okay. up. Uh, both were filmed over a year and a half. That's filming time. Not yeah, like filming time. and editing and all that. Um, and then this is very, very sad. Um, a man named David Holmes was Harry Potter's stuntman, And, um, they did a thing where he was in a harness and like an explosion goes off. And he was paralyzed during the filming of this movie. Really? And uh, like waist down, neck down. Uh, I think I think he's like paralyzed, paralyzed. Oh. Um, I, I I forgot to because they would have said um, quadriplegic, right? Is that the term for? Yeah. Does that the just legs? does that just mean waist I, down? Yeah, I think paralyzed means neck down. Oh. So gosh. um, he 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 also had like intended to be like I'm gonna recover things will be fine but it, as far as I could tell it doesn't look it looks like he is like he is paralyzed now so that's kind of sad but yeah. um like good 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 for him for living being and, opt- optimistic yeah and yeah you you wonder I was may, maybe if I had more time it would have been interesting to see if there's any like interviews with him recently since mm-hmm. it's been like ten years to see if. He has any thoughts or whatever, but um. Anyway, um, Janie Temime is the um costume designer cool. for the movie. Very good on costumes, but she was criticized for possibly copying a dress in the wedding sequence. Um, Donald, by by a designer copying a designer's uh, dress. Alexander McQueen's Fall 2008 collection. <gasps> so I didn't look at a comparison. I 
That's I'm all. That look was enough for comparison. me. Uh, and the movie is nominated for Best Production and Best Visual Effects. Loses both. To who? I'm not sure, but I'm going to look it up while you jump on the cast. That's all my notes, baby. So now... Surprisingly, not very much, which is what you said, so... Yeah, well, hopefully I'll find some more on Deathly Hallows Part 2, but I have a sneaking suspicion there really won't be production notes in that because it's a joint uh, production, you yeah. know? So, anyway, are you ready? Yeah, more away. or less. Um, okay, I just found someone and now they went away. So, th- this movie has a lot of new characters that we don't really like get a lot of like maybe they have one or two lines um so i'm not really what i mean by that are death eaters a lot of death eaters new faces that we haven't seen i'm not really going to focus on most of them because okay like in terms of time yeah like and i think that i'm sure that some of them are like way big in in one respect maybe Uh i just don't know but you got to nip it in the butt at some point yeah. I'm going to start with, this is so Dommel. It's not Donald. That's an M. It, it's pronounced Donald, though. How do you, are you sure? I've I, There was an IMDb video I watched that explained how to pronounce it, and I was just oh. listening to an interview, and it's like, we're here with Donald Gleason. Okay, well, you can't get any more specific than that. Yes, because okay. I wanted to get his name right. I love that guy. So, Donald Gleason. Did you yes. hear that last name, people? Donald. No, last name. Gleason, wait. His huh? daddy. Okay, wait. First of all, he plays Bill Beasley. Second of all, his dada is Mad Eye Moody, Brennan Gleason. Brendan Gleason. Pretty cool guys. Um, okay, so, but Donald Gleason has been around the block, I would say. He was in Ex Machina. He's in the movie Frank, a Michael Fassbender movie, Micah. Very boring movie. Yes. Yeah, okay. It looks nice. Well, it's not. I guess that's I not a very boring, boring movie. But I just. It's really. It's a really okay. Movie. I think it is a quintessential indie movie. I don't think so. Seriously. I don't think you need to watch that if you're diving into indie. No, not quint. No, I guess quintessential is the wrong word. It's just a by the numbers indie movie. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's your problem. <laughs> um, and then he's in About Time with Rachel McAdams. That's right. He plays the love interest of Rachel McAdams. Mm. Guys are swooning over that. Um, he is also General Hux in the Star the the recent Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Um, he is also in Peter Rabbit. And then yeah, I hate that he's in Peter Rabbit. Ew. That kind of makes me mad. Did um, you say Ex Machina already? I already did. Okay. Remember, he's in Mother. He is? He is. Who's he his mother? Remember... Um, oh, is he like one of the Michelle, Cain and Abel? Yes. Like prototypes? Okay. Um, do not recommend that movie, by the way. Uh, but we're not going to cover ooh, it. Ooh, ooh, Could I jump back in? Okay. So best visual effects. Nominees that year were Alice in Wonderland, one of the worst movies ever made, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, Hereafter, Iron Man 2, and then the winner, Inception Baby. Oh, cool. That's a good. That's nice. a good one to win. Um, he's also an American Maid. He's in The Revenant. He's in Brooklyn, Unbroken. Oh, that's right. Unbroken was like one of the first things I recognized him in. He's in that movie Calvary that apparently everyone else is in. Just kidding. His dad's in it. Calvary? Oh, yes, yes. So um, him and dad Do you look how sad again. I'm looking? Over what? Best art direction. Winner. Over, Alice in Wonderland. Over Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. That is that gross. That movie is so ugly, it's crazy. And Deathly Hallows is not ugly. Looks very nice. Um, I'm going to get back to this, though. Okay. So, cool thing that I like that did with Bill's makeup, and more more makeup than anything, um, 
it's it's cool to have this character in it because obviously he's in the books and mm-hmm. there's so many moving parts like they could have written him out if if they needed to you know what i mean yeah um but i like that he has scars on his face and, and they briefly mention it but yeah. he was he was scratched by a werewolf not Th- bitten by one was he scratched by the death eater yeah, werewolf I, guy? i think so because i think he said his name and he scene. probably did so i'm pretty sure it was and he him. said i'm gonna get my revenge yeah or like i hope i get my revenge yeah so um it's, i like that he has scratched on his face and in the book i just it's just a fun really nice touch it really rounds it out where he was scratched by it and not bitten by it therefore he is not a werewolf but they make a like his wife fleur de clore from goblet of fire makes a, a a comment about like yeah but now he has an affinity for really rare meat so he oh, has he has like wait, the girl symptoms. that's in the goblet of fire uh, contest yeah that's, that's his, who he marries yeah and it's the same actress yep. that totally went over my head yeah oh that's cool yeah that's very cool i mean I, she's not wearing like the, the uniform blue, yeah. so she doesn't look the same still um, that's that's kind of funny i didn't realize that and then okay yeah let's just go over him rise iffins i'm reading my phone i know just try to glance um, over he is in the amazing spider-man he's a lizard man the lizard come he's on he's in snowden he is in alice through the looking glass oh sorry man and serena remember that movie is that neither is that um, the one with george clooney no that's the one with jennifer lawrence and bradley cooper oh yeah um where'd he go i'm not seeing warwick on here at all Let's go to this other guy first, though. Bill Nye, who... Let's save Warwick for part two, because he's, like, very influential in part two. So, Minister Rufus Scribgore, I don't know how to pronounce it. Love this guy in the movie. He's fantastic. Nye, and I don't even know how you'd pronounce that, if that's correct. Um, He is in... Whoa! He's Davy Jones! From the titular Davy Jones locker? Yeah. Cool. Like like the guy with the squid? Yeah, this is Davy Jones. Oh! Oh, dang that's cool i that's wonder very if, cool i mean i haven't seen that movie since i was a kid so i'm curious if i'll recognize his voice mm, when we watch probably it. i mean he's got a pretty uh iconic sounding voice i'd you say know? so he's also the bad guy in pokemon detective pikachu duh yeah he's in love actually he's also in about time oh he's with donald in that movie and rachel mcadams guys are still swooning uh, um and then a lot of British stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, I didn't, there wasn't much to go over and I, I'm, I'm, there's, you know, like I said, not, not really covering death eaters just cause there's so many. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that there, there are definitely some death eaters that are like, dang, that guy is really good. He's, he really knows. Okay. Actually I'll cover this guy. Cause I just okay. saw movies in Peter Moulin, who is the, the one, uh, Death Eater that has like the it's kind of a thicker Scottish sounding accent, and when remember. Harry when they all take the Polyjuice potion and go into the Ministry, mm-hmm. and he's the one chasing them out, and oh, he's the yeah, one that, that Ron good. gets spliced with. Yeah, so that guy's good because he just like knows who he is. You know, oh, I just remembered there's, how cool. There's that no whole hesitation is. with him. Um, he is in War Horse. Oh, cool. He is also in Children of Men. Oh, don't remember him. In what, it. Do you remember what his character name is? His name is Sid. I'm assuming he's part of the people who live in that house. Is he? No, I think he's the bus driver, isn't he? The bus isn't driver. he the bus driver that that takes them to the place? And he's uh he's like Scottish, and he's like probably. Do you do you know him? Uh, okay, 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 okay. Uh, okay. Let's look it up later, Micah. Uh, well, okay, I'm gonna look it up, and you keep talking. Well, I don't have much more to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's the it's this guy. Do you have a picture? Yes. Um. 
Yes, it is the Children of Men guy. I knew I recognized oh, him. Yeah. Who like transports them. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Another connection to Harry Potter, Alfonso Cuaron. So what a what a web we weave when we practice to deceive, as they say. You know what's weird? Maybe this is an off-mic discussion, but you can edit it out. Who cares? Okay. So Fred and George are twin. <laughs> they're twins, believe it or not. <laughs> um, their names are, their last name's Phelps. Like P-H-E-L-P-S? Yeah, and they kind of look like the Phelps. Do you think they're related to Grayson and Alan and Renee? And I mean, like, don't you think that's passable? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could see that. Can you ask Grayson to do ancestry? <laughs> ancestry? How much? Or twenty well, three and me? So okay, here's a question. I'll buy. I'll buy it for him. <laughs> <laughs> and we will. We will keep all of that on. We're not cutting that, by the way. Oh, I will um, cover one more person, by the way. Okay. So would you? Um, what would you do if you met a Harry Potter? person anyone in the cast um and 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 let's put and it what, what's the context let's put it in a context where like um like uh it's something it's some sort of event where it's not weird that they that we would be talking to them is it kind of like a run-in situation let's just pretend even though we don't like attend something like this it's like it's like a din- like a big dinner party and one of the cast members is there and they're like talking to people and they're making the rounds and stuff and maybe you don't even have to say hi they like come over and say hi i don't know why i'm oh, making this that's up so scary but what would you like say it's a fred or a george um i would probably tell them that i was a really big fan of what mm-hmm. they did i thought they did a really good job and that's probably it. From from my experience of talking to people who I really admire, who are kind of famous, it's uh-huh. really disappointing when you try to get something out of them. Yeah. Understandably, because yeah. people think that uh, like their admiration for something someone translates into that person is my friend, and that person will never be your friend. Right. A- unless right. like maybe you like you know it, it's just so like that's never gonna happen. Sure. And. I have had situations like that where I'm like, I really would rather have never talked to that person yeah. who I really admire. And it's not that the person didn't do anything bad or they weren't mean, but it was obviously like I was forcing something on them yeah. and it did, it felt really gross. Yeah. So I would probably say like, you know, like really, really big fan of your work. And then to, like, if it's them, mm-hmm. like I don't think they do much. So I yeah. would just be curious. Like, what have you guys been doing? Yeah. Since then, if the conversation felt like that, Would, but most of most more than anything, I would probably just be like, okay, like you don't you don't have to talk to me. Yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if we could get if this podcast got enough of a following that that like it wouldn't be outside of the realm of possibility that we could get like an ex, like not an extra but like a light cast member in movies like this? That'd be great. So we could cover, you know, like a Marvel movie and yeah. be like, oh, let's have a Clark Gregg on the guy who's Agent Coulson. I mean, we wouldn't want him because we bash him a lot in, in our series, but something like that. That'd yeah, be no. cool. Well, that's, that's a different context, too. Like, oh, you're, you're totally. allowed to ask them all the questions you want to yeah. ask all these yeah, people. Yeah, it's totally different. But in but different contexts, it's just like, just let him enjoy the... If, if it's a party, it's just like, just like enjoy your time. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to ask you about all of your experiences on Harry Potter. And I hope that the listener at home is just riveted by that conversation. Sounds like a real bummer, I know, but... No, you bring up thims, a good point. Thims the facts. Um, so do you want to jump into the plot now? Sure. 
or are we good? No. Oh, we you know I want to cover one more guy. Yes. Okay. I thought that. Uh, George Harris, who plays Kingsley Shacklebot. Kingsley Shacklebot. It is uh, the really, really awesome black guy. Oh, the oh, and, and purple. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, he is wonderful, and he's wonderful in the books too. He play. He's in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh my gosh! Wait, he <laughs> is the guy that goes up to um indiana jones when they're leaving on like the the boat and he he good he's he's the guy that has the boat that uh indy goes on and then he goes off of the boat and goes onto the nazi submarine he's the captain of the boat that's insane that's the guy that's crazy that you figured that out because i didn't well know right that. when you said it i was like oh yeah they have the same face they're the same guy Oh, that's so cool. I'm glad I uh, picked this guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's also in Layer Cake. Oh, cool. A movie I'm not sure I'll ever get around to watching. Good movie. Uh, oh, I know. I'm sure it is. Oh, um, man. I can't believe he's in Indiana Jones. That's Raiders of the Lost Ark, too. That's the OG Indiana Jones. Yep. And then, you know, the British stuff. <laughs> but... uh he was born in Granada, British West Indies. Cool. 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 All right. Oh, he's in Madeline. Wow. Okay, so let's jump into the plot. Frances McDormand's in Madeline? <gasps> <gasps> Whoa, that is her. Oh, my gosh. I, like, her, that that face of, like, she's a nun, uh-huh. and that just face of her is just, like, burned in my memory, and I just never realized it was her. Mm, that's always an interesting experience. It's always fun that it's caught on mic, too, because I, th- I feel like this has happened several times It just happened us. to you. Yeah. I No, I know. Throughout the podcast, that's probably when the listener is just riveted. Okay, so let's jump in to the movie. Now, this one begins very, very somber. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're not getting a lot of like the whimsy. Mm-hmm. It's just like it, there's this feeling of dread right away. And because of the last movie, this one, it's like, it's go time. Yes. And it's kind of, I really think it's interesting how they start the movie just like that. And you have that scene where, um, Hermione, her parents are there and she says, obliviate and it deletes her memory from her parents. But and like their pictures, she like and erases stuff her like existence. Yeah, to the point where it even affects other people who are not just her parents. Because remember, it. Meanwhile, during this time, it's showing other people doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the Dursleys are moving. Yeah, and Dudley's like, I don't understand why we're moving, and Vernon's like saying, like, it's not safe here anymore. Then Hermione does that, and then it cuts back to Petunia sitting in the car, and she looks very confused. Uh-huh. And then it goes to Vernon; he looks very confused. Yeah, that just means that they're forgetting Hermione. Oh, they knew her. Well, I, I mean, of course they knew her because of oh. Harry. You know, like maybe they didn't like meet her, but like I'm sure they know her, and that's. I mean, it's too. It's too weird. For them to be confused and not know that. Oh, I thought they were just confused at the situation that was happening. No, they were, it was their, they just kind of like, something feels wrong. Huh, okay. But uh, yeah, so we, we have that and that's pretty wild. Um, there's no music, it's silent and it's... Um, Is there no music? Yeah, I don't, th- well, I wrote silent intro. Okay. 
Uh, oh no, I meant I. What I meant to say is that it's like it. Co- the movie comes in and it's silent, like and no then talking. Then the or... music oh. starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and it sh- so the Dursleys are moving out, but Harry is staying behind. Yes, um, which is also very cool. Yeah. So like, I love that he's walking downstairs and the house is just completely empty. There's nothing left. Yeah. And um. You know, this intro is a couple minutes long, and like you said, it's very somber. Uh-huh. But then, like, pretty quickly, knock on the door, it's moody, go time. Yeah, and this all is pretty cool. This is when... So we, we see, like, all the cast of characters that we know and love. Not all, but a lot of them. Um, all the Weasley people and... and uh, we're introduced to... This is when we're introduced to Bill. Yes, yes. Donald Gleason. Donald Gleason, And we also were introduced to Mundungus Fletcher. And who's the that again? British Danny DeVito. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that actually worked. Um, and then and then we find out that uh, they need to that that they're gonna do this plot to uh, turn a bunch of people into Harrys through polyjuice potions. Mm-hmm. And because they need try to transport to get, them. And where are they trying to get to again? They're going to the Weasleys. Go to the Weasleys. Yeah. yeah. So like to safely transport him to the Weasleys. And Ron is you know he's very much like I don't want you guys to do this because Ron. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Harry, Harry. Like, don't want you to do it. And um, I like, yeah, because they they do that a lot in this movie, or he does it a lot in this movie. Uh, and I like that every time it's like it's like stop worrying about that. That doesn't matter. And then it, to the yeah. point where he's trying to he they're at the we I'm just jumping forward, but they're at the Weasleys, and he's trying to leave in the middle of the night, and Ron's stopping him, and he says the same thing, like I don't want people risking their lives for me. And Ron's like, you think this is all about you? Yeah. And, and, and it's he like, says that thing where he's like, we wouldn't last two days without Hermione. What yeah, are you ta- if he, like, if he don't just do left this. by himself. Yeah, because yeah. Harry's like, come with me. But I just like what Ron's like, this isn't this isn't because of you. Yeah. Like, we're not like risking our lives just because of you, you know? Yeah. And I, I, it's just a lot of, when mo- they do stuff like that in movies where someone's like leaving for this thing because it's because it's like, I'm the problem. Sometimes I feel like the explanations aren't very good. Yeah. Or, or I guess I'm not super convinced. Totally. And this one, I'm like, yeah, he's Ron's right. Yeah, yeah. This this one is in line with like the 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 breaking of the fellowship, like when Frodo wants to leave, and you're like, oh, I totally get where Frodo's coming from. Yeah, it's too much. But then you know you got to have your Sams or your Rons, both redheaded. Yeah, to, no, it all makes to sense. be like, no, that doesn't too make sense. Redheaded. Um. <laughs> okay. Um. Not like T O O redheaded, but two redheads. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Either way. But, okay. But okay, but what's what's cool is in that that shot, um, as with all the polyjuice stuff, um, there's there's some kind of fun behind the scenes stuff where you know th- they do the shot where all these different people morph into Harry, and so uh, Daniel Radcliffe has to uh like learn kind of how people do certain things so that he can act like them in the shots and then they they basically like plate a, them a little bit of a body switching yes yes and didn't that's you say I, that when we were watching you're like we haven't had a good body switching movie in yeah, a while <laughs> yeah um but but they 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 basically just you know they'll do a take with him as one person do a take with him as another person and they combine all the takes together and i guess he had a it took him a while to figure out the bra um, because oh, he's Hermione funny. and Hermione like takes no, it off. Or a uh, uh, bell or a uh, floor, floor. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so he had to like get some guidance from um, one of the girls on That's set, hilarious. like on how to take it off yeah. that way, you know? Because, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that is like for a guy that's, 
that's so and unfamiliar. So to go on a tiny bit of a tangent, something I really appreciate with this story is like, you, you know, you get to moments where you're like, how are we going to figure this one out? Yeah. All this stuff. And a lot of it's like they're kids. So like they don't know everything yet. Well, now they're at a point where they're pretty experienced. Yeah. And I like that, like in a world where there are just so many, like practically infinite possibilities. Mm hmm. It's, it's cool that the polyjuice potion is used so often. Like, that seems like a really okay, simple solution. So, yes, I wanted to talk about this as well. Okay. Um, this was, uh, you're digging into something that I really like about it's this just, series. It's just instead of continuing to make up different things, yep. just use the thing that they already know. Yeah, I and like it's, it. It's I like, I like that they do that with the polyjuice, and it comes up with the invisibility cloak, the map. Um, like, there's so many things that instead of, like you said, trying to come up with something else, it it makes the series feel more cohesive. Yes, because instead of like a, a serial. Yeah, and also you know, like if this was like a Indiana Jones, which is great. Yeah, it, it would be like okay, now we have like new things. It's not based off of the other thing because they're not related, really. Yeah. Or like Mad Max, even. Yeah. And th this, I like that it's it's very it's very tied to each thing, and it makes sense that they'd be like, well, this works once. Let's do, make it work again. I would call it intuitive. Yes. Because it, it's like, like I said, infinite possibilities of things pretty much. But mm -hmm. why, why try to do something you've never done when you can use something that you know already works? Yeah. And I think they flip it on its head enough times that it's it never gets um, boring. Yeah. You know? They've, they've been using it since the second movie. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, because they used it in the second movie. And then in the fourth movie. In the fourth one? Because of Moody. It? Well, oh, David Tennant oh, is yes. doing it the whole movie. Yeah, and, so you see like a flip side of it. Yeah. And then this one. Yeah. And then uh, the, uh, next. the next one too. Or no, of, that's in this movie. You no, know, Hermione turns into Bellatrix in the next oh, movie. Oh, that is in the next. Yeah. 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 But this one, we also have the Ministry of Magic yeah, that's section, in this one. which is one of the, my favorite parts of the whole series, I would say. Oh, interesting. <laughs> well, we'll get there. But, First, uh, we need to get so to the Weasley's like, house. This so, is like a very intense. I really like this whole sequence where they're flying through the air uh -huh. and, and then they get attacked. Visuals are just amazing. Visuals are great. And when they crash into the the water. water it just looks so good because it's a real it's a real crash i mean you can see where the cg like takes over and whatnot but it still looks great when we have death count one of these this two parters hedwig dies oh yeah no 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 i don't i don't like that yeah it's really sad we don't want that but i i think like it, it does it, it's it's like it affected the it's part of the story you know what i mean because like everyone gets there and then moody's like what gave you no moody didn't get there because moody also died yeah that one's also crazy but um i think it's lupin uh -huh. maybe who was like what like how did they track us like how did they know it was you and harry said i think it's because of hedwig that they knew it was him oh that's hedwig what it was? was protecting harry ah uh, yes so i i just that is that convey oh, that yeah. makes sense. It's so well they didn't written. have a traitor. Um, they might have. I don't know. They well, probably still did well, they knew because they knew because of day. the Mundungus Fletcher character. It's kind of like he he's not to be trusted. Yeah. Um, and they established that pretty early on. He's he's like uh the he's on no one's side kind yeah. of guy. Whatever is gonna That's get him the out Danny of it. Danny DeVito guy. Yeah. Okay. And they also said that he disapparated like pretty much right away because he got yeah. scared. Um. But I, I wish, I wish, uh, on a critical level, I wish there was like a, a little extra moment for Hedwig. Like, I get it. Like I a moment feel... where they're back and he gets, 
I mean, I'm talking a moment because yeah. we got to have like the Dobby moment, which is like the moment moment yeah. of like reflection. And we've had more time with Hedwig. But I would have liked him, you know, even if he had like a feather in his pocket I, and I would looked agree at it with sad you. and had a tear or something. I would you agree know? with you, but I'm kind of like thinking one, it happens so fast. There's not even time to process it, even when they yeah. get there because there's other things going on. And then also that is like an essence of time. Yeah. But uh, that's why I'm saying moment, not I know, scene. I know. But um, lay off, lay off. Okay. <laughs> so I don't remember if it's Fred or George. One of them gets like basically his ear blown off. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, one thing. Sorry, I keep burping. Shocker. You don't have to say that into but, the mic. Um, <laughs> uh, so before they leave and before everyone turns into Harry, um, what's her name? Lupin's like what? I don't know her name. Oh, just skip it. Me. Just skip it. Go, but, go, go. But she was just gonna. She was about to announce something. Yes. And Mo- Moody cut her off. She's pregnant. Oh, do they ever pay well, that off? Later on in the movie, after Lupin is gone. Well, I guess in the, in the next movie, uh-huh. when Harry has the Death Stone and he like conjures the people that he conjures, uh-huh. uh, Lupin says like he. Well, Harry's like, I'm so sorry about that, and Lupin's like, Don't worry about him. There will be people to tell him who his parents were. Oh yeah, like they just had a baby. It's just for people who have read the books, uh, Lupin and this girl, and I'm so mad that I can't remember her name. The, the their relationship is really interesting because they are together, and she really wants a kid, but he is really terrified to have a kid because he's a werewolf. So okay. there, it's just a really interesting conflict dynamic. Yeah. Okay. Just explore that for a second. Anyway, so. We're at the Weasleys. Yeah, so now it's wedding time. Yeah. And uh, like we just said, Harry tried leaving. Ron convinced him to stay. Yeah, wedding is Gin- pretty fun. Uh, Harry cool. sits up, zips up Ginny's dress. Very sexual. You yeah. pointed that out. Like last week, you were talking about how there was like a sexual energy to her performance. And I was like, no, no, no. I think you're overthinking it. But then in this one, it's like, okay, I think you were right. Kind of <laughs> like whatever. Um, but important part before the wedding happens. The Minister of Magic comes to bequeath them things that Dumbledore have left. Yeah, Ron, yeah. Hermione and Harry leaves Hermione the Beetle Bard book. Um, leaves Ron the the light the Illuminator. Yeah, from the very first scene of the series. Yeah, and then leaves Harry with the first snitch he ever caught. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the wedding. So the wedding happens. Donald Gleason getting married, and his dad is not there because he died in the previous thing. I'm kidding, because oh, Brendan Gleeson. I'm like, uh, it's Arthur Weasley. He's not <laughs> no, no, no. dead. Um, yeah, you're right. And then this is where we meet Luna Lovegood's uh, dad. dad. And is not, there's someone else at the wedding, too, I think, that they have a discussion with. He talks with this old guy. Um, I think that he was a colleague of Dumbledore. I can't really remember. This part I always forget. Uh-huh. But talking to him about that, this woman starts butting into their conversation. And is like saying, like, talking about Godric's Hollow. And Harry's like, don't like what is with that? And she's like, Have you ever did you ever know Dumbledore? Did you know this thing, this thing, this thing? So it's like there's a lot that he needs to discover about Dumbledore. Yeah. If probably if he wants to figure out where Horcruxes might be. Yeah. And also learn a little bit about himself bef- to in order to learn these things. Yeah. And that, then, that's a big yeah. And then they're attacked and they disapparate. Yeah. They disapparate, and then they go, they're in this London street, uh-huh. and they almost get hit by a double-decker bus, and I found out that, that they actually shot all that stuff at night and shut down that street. 
Like in the middle of the night? Like, yeah, in real life, though. So, wow. And then they asked all the businesses nearby to keep their lights on so that it would look like wow. it's daytime. A lot of and, extras. Um, there's, like, behind the scenes where you can see them, like, walking to the set. And there's, like, a, like walls of people, like, just outside, like, screaming as, like, the three characters are walking over to where they need yeah. to go. You're like, geez. Is it like the Times Square of London? Yeah, I think they said I'm I'm but I'm afraid that I maybe misheard, but I think they said um Paradilly Circus is the name of the the like, like the street or whatever where they were at. I think. So when are we going there? <laughs> that place sounds cool. But um yeah, so they go there and then they're in the coffee shop, the three of them, and they're kinda like, What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Introduce to Hermione's amazing bag. Her Mary yes, Poppins bag. Yes, her Mary, her Mary Poppins comes bag. That comes in handy for the rest of the two movies. Yeah, and it's practically perfect in every way. Yeah. and Except um, for being practical. It's very practical. No, like practical in real life. What? Like a practical effect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, then they're attacked in there by people yeah. dressed as normal people. And then she uses the Obliviate um, mm-hmm. uh, On the curse. Gun. Not curse, but swear. Spell. That's not a spell. Yeah. That's it. Um, the synonym for curse swear <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> but um all of this stuff is very cool and if you look at the behind the scenes it's just kind of wild because like when they're shooting the wands and and stuff's exploding like there's dust and stuff flying off of the walls and a lot of that stuff is practical well, i mean it's, it's, like it's like shooting a effect, gun the effect of the actual wand is what is not practical and it's like shooting a gun like a yeah. blank and it's just reacting. It's very, very cool. Yeah. They're just setting up squibs everywhere and exploding crap. Yeah. Um. So then after all of that, what, one thing we failed to mention was at the very beginning, there's also like the Council of Bad Guys. Um, and oh, right. This is just such a, it, it, it's such a statement, I think, for the film. As, uh, as long, like that whole intro is just like, this is serious. This is the end. Because it's really, really kind of graphic uh, in terms of... Um, violence. Violence. You know, there's like a woman being tortured. Yeah. Um, uh, Not no. only any woman, she taught muggle studies. Yeah. And um, Voldemort is uh, like not... I mean, he's he's creepy. He yeah. is very... I mean, he's been creepy the whole time, but he's extraordinarily creepy. And we see uh, Lucius looking really gross. Like, like really unhealthy. Yeah, this I really like about um, these two movies is seeing him, especially because that actor is just usually kind of the bad guy, mm-hmm. you know? But to see him be kind of... Tail between his legs. Yeah, and he's just so worried. He he knows he's in too deep and that he's probably not going to make it out. And he's trying to grapple with that. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. It's so He's always kind of like sweaty and just like Greasy overgrown hair, hair and... His beard is like, not, everything's like bad. Unshaved. He does not look good. He's always very put together. And then, then uh, we see like, he brings the the woman to everyone and she's looking at Snape and asking, like pleading for her life, like Snape, we're friends. And all he does is stare at her. He doesn't say yeah. a word. And like Voldemort even looks at him like, is he going to break? Is this, yeah. Like, like as if maybe he was always a little like curious uh-huh. about his allegiances because he worked at Hogwarts and he just kills her. And the snake eats her in front of everybody. Well, and and I think in the next episode we will get more into Snape. But it is just wild. If if you, I think there is a a school of thought that I understand where you just don't like Snape. You mm-hmm. know, I think there's a lot of people who are like, I hate that guy. He's the worst. 
But if you really try and put yourself in his shoes, like to be that deep cover, I mean, he's having to witness things that he would never, ever want to witness. And you know, because of other sequences, that he is not like he's not like a, a guy that's double double crossing but kind of likes it. He doesn't like that he's in this position at all. He hates it. And so, gosh, when you see it with that knowledge, you're just like, man, Alan Rickman, you are just killing it. Because you, he had to like watch some sort of colleague die, whether mm-hmm. it's a friend or not. He watched and a lot him of die. other people just yeah by being in it. Crazy, and I mean, he had to kill one of his friends. Yep, the previous one. Um, and then we have this great sequence where they go to the Ministry of Magic again. And they, they basically find some wizards. Oh, we probably... Wait, we skipped over something. What? They They go to Sirius's house. Um, oh, yeah. Because they have they have the locket. And they, they, we knew by the end of Half-Blood Prince, the locket's fake. But they go to Sirius's house as asylum, like as a refuge. Yeah. Um, And they discover R.A.B. Regulus Black, Sirius's uh-huh. brother. He's the one who got it. Got the locket. Uh-huh. And you saw that you see that his room is totally disheveled, like someone had just been in there rummaging through it. Mm-hmm. So then we re- reintroduced a creature who looks incredible. Yeah, incredible. who is the house elf of house elf Sirius? Of, yeah, of the blacks, and also just love the touch of he is incredibly prejudiced against mudbloods and muggles. Yeah, yeah, um, just so interesting. He's so cool because the blacks are not that great of a family. Like their lineage yeah. is not that great. No, um, Sirius is like the black sheep of the family. I know. <laughs> no, I, I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm um, <laughs> So. They they are asking him about someone being here, and then they said, "Go get him." They, he brings back Mundungus Fletcher, but he also brings back Dobby. Yeah, Dobby comes and back then we them. get Dobby again. He hasn't been in there since two. Is it? Has he not been around? I think so. Really important. He's wearing shoes. Yeah, because free elves wear shoes. Yeah, well, he's just wearing clothes in the books. Like Sydney said when we were watching it, he he was he would wear really ridiculous outfits. Yeah, because cool. he finally could. Yeah. But I think for sake of uh, cutting corners in the movie, he's yeah. wearing shoes, which is still a very big deal. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, Dobby's back and he, he knows like pretty much everything too. And he's, it's, and it's a I really love funny their scene. dynamic because like creatures trying to explain stuff and Dobby keeps cutting him off. Yeah. And it just made me think, I don't need fantastic beasts. I need a creech slash Dob Dob buddy cop movie where they're trying to find horcruxes. Love That's it. what I want. Mm-hmm animated half hour episodes i want that too <laughs> um okay then we we learn here that menungus did steal the locket yes and he was in he he wanted to like pawn it you know so he he goes to nocturne alley he is stopped and interrogated by umbridge yeah um, and she confiscates it my girl so that's what leads them to the ministry of magic right because they're to to because they know that she has it now yeah and, so. and, you know, so this movie and the next movie, um, this story, I, I, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this. But um, I find a lot of times in movies where it's like, oh, we have to get these um, certain items, like one, two, and three. I usually get kind of bored during those movies, but I don't in these movies. And I'm kind of trying to figure out why that is. Because, you know, sometimes like quest movies where you have to get this item and then you leads you to this item and then this item is kind of it just gets kind of monotonous because you're always like keeping a running tally in your head 
My theory was that since two of them are destroyed by the time you even find out what a Horcrux is, that's pretty riveting. And then since they spend this entire movie just trying to figure out how to destroy one of them, that's riveting. And then finally in the next movie, they find them pretty quickly, and then you find out that Harry's a Horcrux, so it makes it all seem pretty different and not just like long quest, 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 quest. I also think that it's that this is what the, the all the books are about is just about solving things. Yeah. So I think that's also why it works because it's, it's still what what figuring out and solving puzzles. Yeah. So we go down to the to the Ministry of Magic, and uh, it's pretty interesting because there's the the statue is different this time that kind of ties everything together. Right. It is now um, Muggles, so like being the foundation and support of wizards, like slaves to them. Yeah. So it's pretty nutso yes. thing to see. Um, also, it's like you've said, the same set from Order of the Phoenix. Uh-huh. So it's nice that they don't have to change anything structurally. Yeah. And it still looks really cool. Yeah. And because we haven't seen it too much, it still is exciting to see and explore. Yeah. Um, so they go to the elevator right away to try and find Umbridge. And... Uh, one a, a guy who works for the ministry, but is also a Death Eater who we saw earlier on. He stops them and is telling Ron, whoever Ron is. This is the Children of Men guy. Yes. Yeah. And he's like saying, my office has been raining for two days. Funny. You need to fix it. Like that. And he's like, I've also heard that your wife's in the mid- down doing her hearing right now. Yeah. If you want her to get off and be fine, you better stop the rain. Yeah. So... Um, Ron has to figure that out. Um, Hermione, Umbridge enters the elevator and has to stay with Umbridge because she's uh-huh. like her assistant, which leaves Harry to go alone to, to Umbridge's office. Yeah. I mean, what a bad couple of people they decided to choose to be. Yeah. Um, and but it then, is the, the people who would cause less suspicion of being in those areas. I think that was the choice. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it was random, right? They just grabbed random people. It just happened to be that way because they were just walking down the street and they just grabbed him. That's what I remember anyway. Well, I guess that's true. But also the earlier in the movie... It's just fun body switching hijinks. That's the fun of it. Yeah. That's why I like body switching. Just earlier in the movie they showed like uh, when the... Sorry. One of the, one of the people from the ministry was like giving a speech uh-huh. and in the background were those people. I think a big part of it is so that we know, like we recognize these yeah. people. So it's not just random, random, random. Uh-huh. But... I always thought that it was like I don't I just don't think that they suspicion. have that knowledge. Oh, okay. Is what I think. Okay. Um and you have to agree with me. Fine. Uh so then they go in and there's this cool they go into like the the court area and Umbridge is um talking to the guy's wife and trying to get her to confess that she's a mudblood or something along those lines. And there's like this shield and these death the what are those called? Death eaters. The death no, 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 dementors. No. Dementors you are trying to, Umbridge's to like. Office. I don't even. What is what's in Umbridge's office? Well, Harry goes there to try and find the Horcrux. Oh, okay. Um, it's, it's, so he goes up and there's all those people flipping papers with their wands. Oh, and he yeah, lets yeah, out that's that cool. that like charm prank thing, and all, all the the horns start honking in the smoke. Yeah, so yeah. Out, and that's when he goes to her desk and is looking through her desk and sees like her hit list. Well, and and this is also the kind of this goes back to like David Yates' political filmmaking. If you remember, that's like one of the reasons they hired him for Order of the Phoenix. And so the whole 
like just this whole thing is very it, when when he's in the ministry of magic it feels like he really has an extra grip on the material yes i agree um so, so can to, go we go to the hearing go to the hearing yeah. okay so we see that the horcrux is there and uh you know there's stuff that's going on basically we get this great payoff where harry potter gets to like his polyjuice potion goes off and he goes uh you're lying dolores you're lying dolores and one mustn't tell li- one must never tell lies and you're like yes yeah that's great they get the horcrux through some trepidation they get out of there and they're chased by the guy from children of men and he is really going ham and he's going Whoosh! And he's just throwing his wand around, but he's very confident. Yes. And as he shoots his wand and they go up the, the, um, he goes with them. Oh yeah. He goes with them up the flu powder. Yes. And then Ron, Harry, Hermione, they are like out in this random place and Ron is not doing. He's spliced. Good. Yes. He's spliced. That means when he was like in the flu powder traveling that like part of the, like him and the guy, I think it, I, if I remember right, like kind of merge. For a second. Okay. Something something like that. And it's like terrible, obviously. Yeah, and this kind shows of a gnarly like, scar. Yeah. And this shows like two things where it's like Hermione and him, you're start, you're seeing even more that they do really love each other. Mm-hmm. But then also it helps her get rid of this stuff. So at the end of the movie you're not like, How come she didn't just use a healing stuff from her purse? Because she uses it all on Ron. Um when would she use it again? When Dobby stabbed at the end of the movie. Oh, I just assume that's one of those things, like in movies, where it's like, how come we're not helping this person? What's going on? And everyone's just staring and not doing anything. I just assume it's like, they just know that you can't help them. Well, I think that's part of it. But the there's a lot of stuff in this series that I think is stuff that wouldn't drive, would not drive me crazy. But 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 I think they and J.K. go the extra mile so that people who would say like plot hole plot hole plot hole are like oh well actually she did run out of the stuff earlier in the movie so she can't use it because remember Harry even looks at her and is like what do you have anything and like and she just nods her head or shakes her head um, I just never thought about it that way makes sense yeah um, and then this is when we start. Maybe like one of the best sequences of the series, Jordan. The slow burn middle. Because we have Ron, Harry, Hermione, and they can't destroy this Horcrux. Um, she keeps doing these cool spells that prevent them from being seen. And they're mm-hmm. just out in like the wilderness and they're just traveling and they're getting on each other's nerves. And the Horcrux has like a Lord of the Rings thing going on mm-hmm. where, it, where when you wear it too much, it kind of drives you crazy. It makes you mad. Mm-hmm. like like cranky mad <laughs> but yeah. like times a million <laughs> yeah and uh really cool sets that we keep going through as they're going other places and they just don't know what to do well ron doesn't go with them to all those other places oh right that's so later. this is the part like in the woods when so yeah they start doing it in shifts the reason why they're not traveling for this long period of time is because ron is not strong enough to travel to disapparate because that's uh-huh. how they would travel so oh, yeah um he needs to get, which means they can't do anything. And of course it drives Harry nuts. And mm-hmm. that's when Hermione's like, take it off. Yeah. And then, you know, they wear it in shifts and they are walking on foot. They're just not disapparating. Yeah. But we do see during that time snatchers in the woods, but mm-hmm. because of her charms, they can't see them. I just think it's a super nice touch that he smells her. Well, yeah. And there's that great, great shot. That's very yeah. cool. Um, where the camera loops around and you see it from her angle. And then when you go to what he's seeing, the forest is empty. Yeah. 
And then it goes back into like the shield. Yeah, so um, cool. I love very that. Very cool. But then what happens is Ron gets, he's going mad from the thing and he sees that Hermione and Harry keep talking about stuff. And he just gets jealous. And I think this one's like an earned one. Yes. Um, much as in, I think the last movie, there was some tension yeah. that that was earned. Um, uh, it's not like the Goblet of Fire stuff where you're like, yeah. okay, brother, just get through this. Yeah. This is like, he's going, this is the Frodo Sam moment mm-hmm. where um, Sam is kind of losing it, right? Yeah. Is it Sam? No, no, it's because Smeagol sets up yeah. Frodo and then, yeah. and Frodo's kind of losing it. But is so, it Smeagol's like, or Gollum is like, like uh, encouraging bad feelings that are already being developed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He's just bringing them out worse. Yeah. Um, so then Ron leaves, and then we are graced with probably the best moment of the whole series. The dancing part? The dance. I was thinking that maybe... I was wondering if you were going to think that part was really lame. It's the best part of the series, Dang. I think. The, the series? It's like the all character the, the moment. Entire, all, all eight I of them. I think it might be. Wow. It's so surprising. good. It's so touching. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes me want to cry. The song choice is fantastic. Do you know what it is? Um, I don't know. I've never heard it okay. before. I always forget to look it up. Um, And it's just this... It's this really beautiful moment where you see... Like, Hermione's so upset that Ron left them. And they have this horcrux. They don't know what to do. They're at, like, their wit's end... And then she just has music on, and they just dance, and it's this totally just friends trying to support each other, and it's really a beautiful moment. It's shot really nice. It's just it's just a great moment where you're like, I love these characters. Would you compare it to when Sam carries Frodo in? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm no. Kinda joking. I just think, I'm, and maybe maybe I'm being too. No, I love it. I think it's the best. Moment I'm not of the trying series. to discredit it. It's just it's just a great character moment and you know for the most part I think with most movies it's you know even if when you like action usually you're drawn to like a character moment you know unless it's like Mission Impossible cuz those are just so like stunt heavy Yeah um but that's just like the culmination of those two characters for me Yeah um and I just love 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 that moment it's so cool too because none of the other movies have spent time on things like this. Yeah, like the, the like screen time. Like yes, there are moments, but nothing like this. And it's just another example of the the content and the subject matter maturing. Yeah, for sure. I also um, really like that they do have a radio. Yeah, throughout their I was journey. gonna say the radio thing. So well, it's like someone someone is broadcasting. Um, on a channel, all of the people who have been killed mm-hmm. by snatchers, death eaters and stuff. And Ron's listening to it like obsessively to see if he's going to hear any of his family's name. Yeah. Nice. Just a nice touch. Yeah. I think it really reminds me of world war stuff. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, so then we find the Gryffindor sword that is guided. We have to go to Godric hollow first. Okay. That's before Ron comes back. Oh, okay. So they, Ron and Hermione, Harry and Hermione realize that they do need to go to Godric's Hollow. That is where Harry is from. Yes. That is where his parents died. Oh, yes. There's that whole scene with the snake and. Yeah. yeah. That's where um, Dumbledore's from. Uh huh. Um, So they. Man, they breed them wizards down there. Yep. Godric's Hollow. Um, So 
they go there even though it's not a great idea mm-hmm. of course because that would be the first place anyone would suspect harry to go yeah um but i i would say another moment that they spent time on is they're there it's like it's christmas eve and harry forgets everything for a second to find his parents grave yeah really really touching oh yeah i was gonna say this movie has that feeling that i think the the hour after the the five years later in endgame kind of has where you're like whoa they're really taking a breath yeah I would um, say so. And uh, I mean, it's very, very different, but I think it kind of has that same thing where it's like these characters don't know what to do, but we've yeah. been with them for so long. Like we're used to them knowing what to do. So what are they going to do? Yeah. And it's the time filmmakers to reflect. are confident enough to let it simmer. Yes. Which is nice. Yes. Which um, I mean, that's, I think that's one reason why this two parter is a good use of a two parter. Mm-hmm. Um, be because like the the source material is so big yeah and I, th- I wonder if like someone else who would write the script would be like yeah we can probably skip a lot of the stuff that we just saw in this movie but yeah. i would argue you shouldn't and you can't and they yeah. didn't well we'll get into it right um so while in the graveyard hermione also finds a grave with the deathly hollow sign on it which i still don't really know what that is just a little tidbit no yeah. important but yeah love Love that he sees his parents' grave. Love that the house that his parent that he and his parents lived in is still destroyed and no one lives in it. Like yeah, it's not that's even very, that's cool. Yeah, not even habitable. Mm-hmm. And then they find that this woman is staring at them and they follow her back. And they they believe that she is the historian that was referenced at the wedding. She I forget her name, but she's like the historian yeah, of okay. wizard stuff. Um so they, they follow her back to her house. As they get into her house, Hermione is like, this is bad, bad, bad. Harry's like, we just have to do this. Like, she's going to know something. Um, she doesn't say anything to them. She doesn't say anything. Uh-huh. The only thing she says is in parcel tongue. Yeah. And, and then, then she goes all snake on their ass. Yeah. Right. Perfect. Just such good horror direction at uh-huh. this point in the movie because it's, it's very quiet it's very dark um harry and hermione get split up in the house that's when hermione finds the rita skeeter book on dumbledore um but it's also when she finds the actual woman who is the historian dead Mm -hmm. in the house which means yeah nagini the snake uh turned into the Nagini's a cool name yeah it's fun to say nagini nagini um okay so yeah so they get out they disapparate Let's get to love good. Well, we have to get Ron back. Or first. let's get so we get Ron back. Yeah, he's like destroy well, the Horcrux. They they're trying to figure it out, and I'm just gonna kind of plow through this. Scene. Sure. We have a Patronus that um, is a doe. Is a doe that we assume is Lily Potter's Patronus. We find out later. We don't know that it's Snape's. I don't right? think we know that she has a doe Patronus. Yeah, yet. but uh, well, I think isn't that an implication? Because like his dad has the buck. So you're like, oh, this is like Lily. She's she's now showing him what to do. Sure. I just can't remember at this point, so whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's what I would okay. think, yeah. like, narratively. Yeah. But then you find out later it's I just Snape can't remember and... if that's what I would think. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, we'll go with it. And then and then there's a, there's a really incredibly shot where Harry falls through the ice in this yeah. snowy area, and the way they shot is just fantastic yeah gets the sword of gryffindor and someone's coming up to help him and sure enough it's ron he's back yeah and i do really like this touch where he is trying to say like i'm back that thing really messed me up i was being stupid and he expects 
Hermione and Harry to just be like, okay, cool, let's go. And Hermione's still like, well, you suck. Yeah. Like, you really sucked back there. That's kind of cool. Yeah. It feels a little more real. And yeah. it does make sense that Harry's just like, all right, well, you're back. Good. Yeah, because go. Harry's mentality right now is like, we just need to get this done. I uh-huh. would love your help, but if you can't help me, I have to keep going. Yeah, and then they go to destroy the Horcrux, mm-hmm. and then there is a naked Emma Watson and Rupert Grant kissing nope. each other. Or, <laughs> Daniel, and, Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe. And, it's, and they're going ham. It's very, it's, it's very over the, like... It, I, I, it's one of those things where I was like, oh, reading this, yeah. Do you think it's but, too over the top visually? I, well, I, I think uh, not to not to be like a parent, because I'm not a parent, but it's just one of those things. I, I mean, I guess the kids have already seen enough craziness by this point in the series, but it's just very, it's very sexual. It, it is. It was, it was just kind of shocking to me. It's that kind of sexual in innuendo. Yeah, that sexual innuendo and things where you're like, that I guess they can get away with that on prime, like on television, but that's nuts. You know how like there's yeah, just some jokes yeah. on sitcoms that like families watch, and sometimes the jokes are a little like gross. Like <laughs> yeah. people are going to think about that. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I'm but curious. I think it, it gets the point across. I don't have a pr- I don't have a problem with it. I, yeah. It's just one of those. It's kind of funny to me, like watching this series again, and you're just like, oh, that's like kind of graphic. I'm curious if, uh, cause remember like the office UK. I must sound so conservative. No, I, well, I don't know. But, uh, you know how like the office UK not, is guys. like pretty nuts. It's pretty raunchy. Yeah. Do you think it could have been a, a cultural, like not like cultural, like it's not that bad. I, I and, guess, I guess it, I mean, yeah, probably yeah. not worth really talking about. Let's blow past it. Yeah. Scratch everything we just said. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do have some conservative tendencies, but I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a conservative. Yeah, we're going to blow past that, too. <laughs> okay, so destroy Horcrux. Yay! And then they go to where? Help. Oh, they go to, the, they go to Luna Lovegood's dad's daddy's house. To because Harry saw the symbol that he was wearing on the wedding, uh-huh. the same symbol that they found in the graveyard, same symbol in the book. So they go to his house to try to learn more information. He's being super weird and not like the cute Luna weird that he is also weird, like something's up weird. Yeah. But uh, he tells them, he's, he's like, you guys don't know the, the Deathly Hollow story. And that's yeah. when we get a really wonderfully animated sequence of Hermione reading the story. Yeah, very cool. I love it. For some reason, it reminds me of Prince of Egypt. Sure, yeah, um, I agree with that. I think like kind of the characters, like how they're drawn, they're is like that same kind of design, but they're all black. They're they're yeah. silhouettes, I rather. Yeah. Um, and just so cool. And you, you find this kind of fun, which it's it's kind of fun that like in this magical world, there's also folklore. Yes, you I know? think that's, that's why kind I like of an it. interesting idea in yeah. itself. And the whole idea is that these three brothers like outsmarted death by mm-hmm. building this bridge over this river that would claim people. Yes. And so one of them asked to be like the most powerful wizard in the world. So he gets the elder wand. Elder wand. And then he's killed very soon afterward. Yes. Um, Cause he didn't like direct it. Well, no, he, he killed, he killed someone that he's had like a vengeance for. And then that night as he was sleeping, someone killed him. Like he was assassinated, oh, which makes sense. Why th- that's like the bond of the, when you take the wand, like then it becomes yours. When you don't kill someone, that's not how you or, get it. Well, yeah, but if he, if he took, maybe that like starts the trend of like that guy taking wands or uh, like that, or is that with all wands? If you take a wand, it's yours now. No, 
that's like a it's an elder wand thing. If if yeah. you if you disarm the person, but that doesn't mean killing them. That right, means right. But, disarming but, them. Well, here's a funny idea. If you think about it, he killed him. Therefore, it's disarmed. Well, yes, but Snape. I mean, Voldemort hears that and he goes, "Oh, you have to kill yeah. someone to get yeah. it." But you actually just have to disarm them. Yeah. So he was thinking what I thought. Oh, I'm sure. So that's also, kind of fun. It, it makes sense in terms of like being cr- like like really dramatic. Like some our minds go to the really dramatic thing. Uh-huh. So like of course you have to kill the person. Yeah. That means that's like proving that you really want the power. You have to kill him. Yeah. When it's it's not violent intent. Yeah. You know, it's whoever's using it for violence. Oh my gosh, are we going to talk about gun violence right now? <laughs> okay. But so then, then we find out yeah. that one brother had, like, a, his wife died or something. So he got the death stone. The resurrection stone. Resurrection stone. Called? Yes, you're and right. And then he ra- raises her from the dead, but she's different, and then they both die. She, she, she like, just can't. Because he hangs himself. Yeah. I really like the animation on that didn't part. mean to cut you off there no, i just okay. remembered how that is kind of shocking as well it is it's cool animation. it's very cool um but yeah she she uh can't he he brings her back and it's fine for a time but she just is dead so yeah it's not like she's back and then the other one gets the he asked invisibility to cloak. yeah he asked to evade death yeah. so death gives him part of his cloak yeah, and I just love I love how that one ends where he get, he bequeaths the cloak to his son and then he greets death like an old friend. Yeah, very I cool. Love that, and I like you said it does have a fairy tale feel to yes. it. Yes, and like you said, like the fact that this world has folklore now. Yeah. Like I know we've there's been like legends and stuff, but like this is a folklore. Mm-hmm. Oh, buddy, I am in one fifty percent, and you can't go much higher than that. No, you can't. You really can't. Yeah. So now the stage is set. Well, we got Horcruxes. We got Deathly Hallows. What are we gonna do? Your turn. I was just gonna You're mention raising your hand. I was gonna mention Mr. Lovegood says Voldemort gets Death Eaters to come there because he tells them that Luna has been uh, taken. Right. By Death Eaters. So yeah. he's trying to like give up Harry to get her back. Um, and then right after that, they get kidnapped. And that's yeah, when so Hermione messes up Harry's face. And well, this is when they're running through the forest. And this scene is so good looking. Yeah. It's crazy. Don't the chains look really good? The chains effect? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. But I just love it is so those sweeping shots are so intense. And I was looking at behind the scenes. And um, I think at the time it was newer, but they have the camera on a wire so it can go really fast. Oh, really? Yeah. And and um, also something I never thought of, the stunt co- coordinator has to go through, like they plot where they're going to run. And then he has to go through and make sure there's not stuff that's going to trip the actors and make them break their legs that's and stuff. the crazy thing about the movie 1917. <laughs> yeah. When he is running out whenever when the front lines people are going to war and he's running with them but yeah. like against them not against but perpendicular yeah and bombs are going off and he's being mowed over by people and you're watching and you're like man this is so believable he probably just started running yeah and they just did whatever whatever happened happened yeah and then of course you read an article and they're like no that was like it consisted of over 500 people and they had to choreograph every little tiny detail yeah. Of to to even to where he would get knocked over, which happened I, th- I think at least twice in that scene. Yeah. I it's just like even more respect for stunt people and choreographers, which I think that in the, within the last 2 years I've had a I've like understood it like so much more. Like an awakening of yeah. Because of Mission Impossible and because of John Wick. Yeah. Um that even well, it, even more it's just like it's just so crazy. 
But this this was a crazy thing, like you just said, where I, I didn't even realize, like, to me, I think stunt coordinator and I think Tom Cruise, Burj Khalifa, like, insane stunts. Yeah. But it's also things like this, like, these are actors and they need to make sure that they don't, like, break a leg. And if you're running through a forest full speed and you trip on a stump that should have been removed, you're going to break your leg. And then all of a sudden, sh- production's shut down for months. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, they do, like, way more than that. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Um, And that's pretty cool. And so, uh, and anyway, Emma Watson, though, she was talking about how, like, sometimes if you're doing a scene like that, you might have to kind of, like, not run your full pace oh that makes sense um but she goes since they had this wire rig they were just like hauling yeah. and running as fast as they could and i think that intensity really shows it's for sure i but mean I feel this like scene is so intense sometimes you watch a movie and this is happening and you're like i feel like they could be running faster haven't oh, yeah. you thought that before? oh i thought that I feel yeah like everyone's thought not with that. tom though tom's oh. always running full speed he's see tom run see tom run okay but, but I, I just want to again yeah. highlight that like the the way they shot this it's a really breathtaking scene it, i mean this this is pr- my favorite looking of all the movies even though like a movie ago it was nominated for an oscar or mm-hmm. two movies ago um no i think no, it was one, one it movie was ago um but i like this one even more how it looks yeah i think i agree yeah i agree but the other one has a lot of interesting angles. I think this. I think that's what it has going for it. I think it. six, seven, eight, like six, darker, and I think like contrast visually more. Yeah. This one add that with a little bit of grit. Third yeah. one, you bump up both of those way up, becomes a much grittier movie. Yeah. Looking wise, I think. Yeah. But let's blow through this. So Her- Hermione uh, messes up Harry's face with a spell, so they can't recognize him. Uh huh. So they're taken to Malfoy Manor. Which confused me for a second. Yeah, it is it is confusing and jarring. But you're kind of oh. like, Hermione did it, so. And uh, the producer said exactly what I said the other day when we were talking about it, David Heyman. He was saying how, like, the with the with Harry's face messed up, they had to do that fine balance where it still needs to look like Harry so that the audience knows it's Harry and so that um, it makes sense that people would think it's Harry, but it had to look disfigured enough that you... It could pass as not being Harry. Yeah. Because I think sometimes in movies like this, they'll do something like that and you just go, it's just, you know, Brad Pitt with a scar on his face. It's clearly Brad Pitt, you know. Um, But this one, you're like, it could be someone else. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, Love that. So they're they're taken to Malfoy Manor where you find that Luna, Ollivander, Grip Hook... I think that's it's them who are also prisoners in the dungeon. Yeah. But this is when Bellatrix is there and she's having Draco identify Harry. Yeah. And this is like, and we've, we talked about this too, where Draco's trying to identify him, but he's not sure. And you're think, sitting there thinking, come on, dude. He's with Ron and Hermione. It's Harry. Yeah. Why are you, I why think... are you being dumb? Well, in the next movie, they talk about it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That? Yeah. Which we will wait until the next movie, but. He, he's not sure and he just can't be for sure because it's like if he says yes and it's not him he just killed an innocent person uh-huh. if he says no and it is him he dies yeah. like draco's gonna get killed you know so it's a you can see the struggle there mm-hmm. um but also you can see him being like you're like he has to be faking this right yeah and then you have to wait another movie to find out the answer yeah. to that but um ron and harry are taken out of the dungeon hermione stays there and Bellatrix tortures her. 
and a piece of hair falls right next to her. Mm-hmm. Um, so as Ron and Harry are in the dungeon, that's when they, they find the people I just named. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see uh, Dobby shows up. Yeah. And I think that it is a duex machina that works. No, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. It works. I think I think we need to readjust our understanding of duex machinas, yeah. you know, because he does come in at the last act, but he has not he's been set up throughout the series. So it's not it's not really a duex machina. And, he, and and I don't know that duex machinas are inherently bad. No, no, no. They're just you know bad examples. You yes. know, no, no bad bad versions of it, which is what we latch on to. Yes. Yeah. Um, but also because Dobby randomly showed up earlier in the movie, that's why I think it's especially okay. Because yes. it's not yeah, so totally. confusing. Yeah. So, I think if it had been since we saw him in Chamber of Secrets, it'd be a little jarring. It'd still work. Yeah. But and then especially because in the next movie you find out that he was sent. Yeah. By Dumbledore. Yeah. The Wait, brother. How? Oh, Abbeforth. Right. Yeah. So you're like, oh, it's really not a duet yes. machina because of the mirror. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm just remembering it. The whole time Harry has his mirror and he thinks he's looking at Dumbledore. Yeah. Okay. So Dobby takes Ollivander, Griphook, and Luna away. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that sounds right. Oh, I love it because that's when Luna's like, whenever you're ready, sir. And Dobby's like, I like her. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. nice. So then Dobby tells Ron and Harry, meet me at the top of the stairs in 10 seconds. Dobby gets him up there, man. And then there is a, a, a confrontation where Bellatrix where Harry steals Malfoy's wand and gets their other wands back. Yeah. Notice Harry disarms uh, Draco. M- yeah. Malfoy. Um, it's important. Um, right, right, right. And Bellatrix is holding a knife up to Hermione's neck and you're just like, there's real, I don't know what they can do here. Yeah. Until you hear a little squeak, squeak, squeak. Uh, yeah. I love this. And Dobby is up on top of the chandelier unscrewing it. <laughs> For a little bit of time. For, for a while. It's very funny. Yeah. Well-placed com- comic to- yeah. comedic timing. Um, Chandler falls. Hermione and Bellatrix part. Dobby takes them and disapparates. And mm-hmm. just as he is, Bellatrix throws a knife. It, it successfully goes through. Yes. And then we're on a beach. Dobby's lying there. He's got... He's been stabbed. Mm-hmm. And Dobby dies. Mm-hmm. And it is very sad. I definitely teared up. Yeah. Um, he's, he's being, just one of those. He's one of those. It's like him and Hagrid are just like the two where you're like, well, not then. Like, don't yeah. kill them off. Yeah. And I think it does. I, I when it was coming, when remembering that Dobby dies in this movie and watching the movie, I'm like, this is not gonna work for me. But it is. It does make sense. I think that sometimes when we watch things because it's a story that we're watching, um, I think we're although things are still sad, we're fine with someone dying if they've been redeemed. Yeah. But like Dobby had no redemption. Like he didn't need a redemption. Yeah. Because yeah. he was he was helpful and true the whole time. Yeah. And I think that makes it a little bit sadder because he really didn't deserve it. No. When I feel like sometimes other characters and other stories, it's like they were redeemed, they repented. Yeah. And now their story's over and they have to die because of it, like a punishment in a way. Yeah. I think but, it's but a little it's bit also, more sad. It is nice, though, when you think about it, because he's had like four or five years as a free elf. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Which is not long in the life and, of a house elf, but. Yeah. And among some of his last words, he's like, it's good to be here among friends. Yeah. It's, My friend, Harry Potter. And and it looked, 
I think they had some practical elements they to had that because the way it's interacting is just like so insane to yeah. me. Yeah, and then uh, I like that Harry wants to give him a proper human burial. Yeah, no magic. Yeah, so they bury him, and then the movie ends. Yes, and I think that the movie someone yelled outside, kind of scary. Um, we'll have to shut the curtains when we finish this episode. Yeah. Um, I think that this movie. Uh, maybe this makes more sense to have this conversation at the end of part two. Just discussing their the part one and part two well, of I'll it all. I'll just say, I guess I'll say my part. Okay. So I think it works really, really, really well as a first parter because it ends with the good guys being down, and yeah. the guy, the like it, it feels like the bad guys are up one leg. Yeah. So it, it's a it's a it's a good ending knowing that there's a part two. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I think that not to give away too much of my opinion of the next movie, but I think that this movie feels like it it does in the way that the previous movies does. It like does tell a story. Yes. And it kind of begins, middle, and ends. It's not like a totally complete story, and there's right. cliffhanger. Yeah. But I feel like they tried to they had to figure out how to defeat the Horcrux and they did it. And then they had to um you know they they had to figure out a bunch of stuff and they figured it out yes and then and then like you said the villains are ahead and then it's like yeah i don't know i this movie works for me on a on a like movie level yes i mean it would be a bummer to just watch it like you can watch infinity war i think yeah and you can watch it yeah i mean it's like if you watch deathly hallows part one you don't want to wait to watch the next one you need to just watch it because they are that interconnected but anyway uh, Roger Ebert, which I forgot to mention, he said, he gave it three out of four. He said, David Yates' Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows is a handsome and sometimes harrowing film and will be completely unintelligible for anyone coming to the series for the first time. Well, that's true. <laughs> At 146 minutes, it confronts us with a roll call of the many, many characters in the series and requires a nearly encyclopedic recall of the epic's previous chapters. Though I've seen the films... There were times when I had no idea what they were talking about. Indeed, there are times when Hermione has to explain to Harry. And then he later he yeah. also said, like, he kind of clarified, like, I didn't mind that I didn't remember stuff. Oh, yeah. But he's like, there is a lot of stuff that I just don't get because I haven't read the books and because I haven't recently rewatched all the movies. And I feel like with the movie, they made a choice to not uh to not holding anyone's hand because they could have if they wanted yeah. to but I, I wonder as they're meeting about this movie and the, the script being written they're making that decision of like we're writing this for the people who have read the book yeah not just the people who've been watching them the whole time well and they even do less like i thought the end game did a good job of not holding people's hands but i feel like they do in even they they go even further where they're like no really we're like if you haven't seen anything else like too bad well yeah it's like marvel it's like if you haven't seen the past 20 movies why are you here it's, yeah, it's like but, but they still do they still try to make it like a movie that you can go to and see yeah and like yeah but but this one i feel like and even more than their previous movies yeah. they're a little like whatever we're just going yeah if you don't like it by now that's your problem we don't care about and it. and i salute you on that yeah so next week we are doing harry potter and the deathly hollows part two and I implore you, friends, please come to my release show. It's next Friday. 
on the day that we released Deathly Hallows Part 2. Wow, what a fitting release. <laughs> I know. It's epic. Yeah. Um, and it'll be at the Children's Sanctuary Church in Medford. Doors at 6.30. Shows at 7. Uh, it's no admission, but I would highly encourage you to go to patreon.com slash Micah and sign up. You get the album for only $10, plus you get uh, exclusive episodes of podcasts and all this other stuff, and you could i don't want you to cancel but you could cancel any time and you could just buy the album basically if that's how you want to support anyway rate review subscribe i want to plug two i haven't oh, plugged yes, in yes, a yes. while i have a blog called recountreveal.com yeah and uh, i write little short uh things about folklore you write your own deathly hallows in a way but not because it's based well i guess so but it's based on real things. Yeah. Or is it? But it's, it's about bizarre historical events, whether they be folklore, whether they be about um, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Real good one on Doma Voice. That's the not, latest one. Not to date this episode, because there'll probably be one more since then. But. Probably not. That's why I'm plugging. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening. See you at the show. If you listen and I don't know you listen, let me know at the show, because that would be so cool to let hear. Let me know, too. I'll be there. Yeah, Jordan will be there, too. So anyway, thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.